But before I start talking about the second coming, I want to tell you about an epiphany that I had when I was out doing my Sunday run a couple weeks ago. I was actually right over here in Hampshire Green, and I ran past this couple. I was, I was running, uh, coming up the hill towards the church, and I ran past this couple, and I noticed the couple, and, and, and they were both walking quite intently, and the husband was about maybe five or six strides out ahead of the wife. And I noticed it, and I ran on, and I made my loop, and I flipped back around, and I came back in the direction that I had, that I had come. I was now running down the hill, and I was passing the couple again, and they were still walking intently, and I noticed that the husband was now probably 10 or 12 strides out in front of the wife. And suddenly, like a light bulb, something went on off in my brain. There was this epiphany that I had. I was, I was sad as I saw this couple walking together, yet not really, and, and suddenly something dawned on me. When Christine and I were dating, I would get up in, back in college, I would get up early in the morning and I would go over to uh, her, her house that she lived in and I would, she would come out and we would go for four or five mile runs together on a regular, quite a regular basis. And Christine and I, people have asked over the years, you guys still run together? And Christine's had some knee surgeries and some various other things, so she doesn't do as much running anymore. But, but I would say, yeah, we used to run together. And Christina would always say, well, not really together. And, and I would say, yes, we ran together. And she said, well, not really together. You see, when, when we used to run together, Christina would say to me, aren't you going to run with me? And I said, I am running with you. She goes, no, you're always running quite a bit ahead of me. And I said, I'm, I'm running with you. I said, what does it matter? And she goes, well, it matters. You should run with me. And I said, we're on the same street. You can still see me. Why do I need to be with you? We're, we're together. It doesn't matter. And Christina would always say, whatever. Well, it matters. And, and I would say, it doesn't matter. And I saw this couple and suddenly this light went off in my head and I thought, it does matter. All these years, what she's been saying, it does actually matter. Go figure. Now, I want to ask you a question. When did what Christina say was, would say, when did it start mattering? Did it matter back when we were in college and Christina would say, why don't you run with me instead of always running so far out ahead of me? Did it matter when we would tell the story and she would say, well, we didn't really run together. Chad would run ahead and I would be behind him. Did it matter then or did it only start mattering when I decided that it mattered? It always mattered whether I thought it did or not. It always mattered where I th whether I thought it did or not. Did you know that there are things in the scripture that you may say, well, it doesn't really matter and let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you think it matters, it still does matter. So what does this have to do with the second coming? What does this have to do with the second coming of Jesus? There is a growing sentiment, in fact, it's been actually a sentiment that's existed throughout Christianity for, for, for generation after generation after generation, but, but now this sentiment is bleeding into Adventism is bleeding into the admin movement, this, this idea that, that we no longer need to emphasize the soon coming of Jesus. 
More than a few people say, you know what? We shouldn't worry about when Jesus is coming or whether soon or far off. Jesus is coming. What we need to focus on is, is the here and now. Right now, what we're dealing with, what's going on, we need to work on making our world better in the here and now. Jesus will come when he comes and we'll let him deal with that. I preached a sermon many years ago at another place and, and the premise was, uh, if I were to, to, to define kind of the, the bullet point, it was, it was that saying, have you heard that saying, um, so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? Has anyone ever heard that, that phrase? person is so heavenly minded they're no earthly good and that was kind of the premise of my of, of my sermon and I would go out with these individuals every week uh, and, and that week we got together for lunch like we often did and they said and we really appreciated your sermon this week they said all our lives we've been told Jesus is coming soon Jesus is coming soon and they said and yet Jesus hasn't come and we keep telling people Jesus is coming soon Jesus is coming soon and they said you know our responsibility really isn't to to talk about that our responsibility is to make sure that that we're dealing with the social issues around our day we need to focus on how we can be a blessing in this world and Jesus will come when he comes and it doesn't really matter that was their sentiment and that is the growing sentiment with growth of social justice issues in our society. But even as we tackle social justice issues, and, and I think those of you that are here regularly know that I care about the social justice issues. You've heard me from this pulpit speak out against abuse and talk about, about ending abuse within uh, relationships and, and abuse towards children. And you've heard me talk about uh, standing up for the refugees and the, and the immigrants, and you've heard me speak against war. You've, you've heard these issues that I care very much about, social issues that are, that are important, and definitely we should address those. But in our need, in our, in our emphasizing of those, those things, we should not de-emphasize the message that we have of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. It matters now, whether or not we have had that epiphany or not, it matters now that we emphasize to the world that Jesus is coming soon, very soon. It is not enough to tell people that Jesus is coming. We need to tell people that Jesus is coming soon. You know, when this movement began, this Advent movement began, it wasn't a new thing to tell people that Jesus is coming because the Christian world believed that Jesus was eventually coming. The thing that rocked the boat, the thing that woke people up, the thing that caught people's attention was that we were emphasizing that Jesus was coming soon and very soon. Even after 1844, even after we said, you know what, we shouldn't be setting dates anymore. We should put this date thing aside. We continue to emphasize that Jesus was coming soon. This movement began with a clarion call that Jesus is coming soon. Not Jesus is coming, which Christianity believes, but that Jesus is coming soon. And I want to give you three reasons today, three reasons why emphasizing the soonness, and I know that's not an actual English word, but maybe it'll stick in your brain then, why the soonness of Jesus' return matters. 
If you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, you can write this down on a piece of paper. The first reason why it matters that we not just emphasize that Jesus is coming, hey, he's coming, it doesn't really matter when, but that we emphasize he is coming soon. Three reasons why it matters. Reason number one is that Jesus himself describes his return as soon. Turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, which Jerry read for us this morning, the book of Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation chapter 22, the very last book of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, the very last words of Jesus, the very last words of red, which indicate these are the words of Jesus in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7. Jesus speaking, and behold, I am coming what? Soon. Behold, I am coming soon. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus says again, and behold, I am coming soon. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, Jesus said, he who testifies of these things says, surely, definitely, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. The last book, the last chapter, the last red letters of Jesus, I am coming soon, I am coming soon, I am definitely coming soon. Do you think Jesus had a way that he wanted to emphasize his second coming? It wasn't, hey, I'm coming, but don't worry about it. it doesn't, it'll happen when it happens. It's not a big deal. You focus on the issues that you got to deal with in your world. You make this world a better place. And when I come, I come. No, Jesus was clear. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. I am definitely coming soon. And someone could argue, well, he said those words over 2,000 years ago, and he still hasn't come. And that's what these gentlemen at this lunch were saying to me. We've been saying forever, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon, and Jesus still hasn't come. We're looking foolish. We should just focus on, on the issues that we can control, making this world better, and letting Jesus come when he comes. We could say that. We could just say Jesus is coming, and it'll be here when it gets here, and not to worry about it. But Jesus himself emphasized the nearness of his coming. And I want to tell you that to every person in every generation that has read these words, Jesus' declaration is absolutely true and absolutely relevant for each one of them. Jesus was giving this vision to John on the island of Patmos. He was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. And Jesus was giving it to this vision of John later in John's life. It was not too many years after Jesus had given this vision to John that John died. And Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5 tells us this. It teaches us this. The living know that they shall die, but the dead know not what? Anything. The living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. If death is like sleep, and when they die, they don't know anything... How near is the second coming of Jesus for those that die? It's immediate. It's soon. It is very near. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of the archangel. And what? The dead in Christ 
will rise first. I am 40 years old. I am, by statistics, by statistics, I am halfway done with my life. I'm halfway done with my life. Maybe I have a little bit more, a little bit less. For all of those of you that have been living by the Advent message, you have a little bit more. That applies to all of you, except for us pastors. For some reason, we live a little bit less. I read in some report somewhere. Um, but I'm working on that because I'm eating healthier and I'm running. So uh, and my suits are getting looser. So by the grace of God, we'll keep moving that direction. And I'll live maybe another 50 years. I don't know. But statistically, I'm about halfway done with my life. About halfway done with my life. Can I tell you, thinking that I will see Jesus in 40 years seems pretty soon to me. Even 50 years or 35 years, barring no tragedies. That seems pretty soon to me. Even if Jesus doesn't come for another 100 years for, in this world's history, it will still be 40 years or 50 years for me. I'll die, I'll sleep, and the next thing I'll know is Jesus' face. I'll, I'll, I'll know his, his embrace, his grace, his love, his mercy in the flesh. Some of you are a little bit closer to the coming of Jesus than me. I mean, that's just the truth. That's not, I'm not prophesying over any of you anything, but that's just the truth. Jesus' coming is soon. How, do you, how many of you remember parents saying, you need to go to bed because morning will be here before what? Before you know it. Man, you guys all have the same parents as I did. <laughs> you need to go to bed because morning will be here before you know it. Do the hours change while we sleep? No, not at all. But it sure does feel like morning comes soon. So when Jesus tells us three times in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter of the Bible, in his last red letters, I am coming soon, I am coming soon, I am surely coming soon. He is saying to every person in the world, morning is coming soon. It'll get here faster than you realize it. This was the way that Jesus delivered this message. He didn't say, I'm coming, don't worry about when. No, he is absolutely clear. Soon, soon, definitely soon. We have this life, and for each of us, some closer than others, Jesus is coming soon. That's reason number one that it matters, because this is the way that Jesus emphasized the message of his second coming. The second reason that it matters that we uh, recognizing that we, that we emphasize the soon coming of Jesus is because when we do so, it changes our witness. It changes the way we witness and it changes how we interact with people. It changes the way we, we call people to respond to the message of Jesus Christ. Paul writing in the book of Romans, as he's nearing the end of this letter to, to the Romans, he, he's appealing to them to, to change the way they live, to, to, to put aside worldly things, to live fully for God in the here and now. And he says this to them in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. 
Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to, for you to wake from sleep. For salvation, he says, is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Paul said, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul is appealing here to Christian believers. They're not people that don't know about salvation. He's not speaking about the salvation, the forgiveness of sins and these types of things. What Paul is speaking of is the salvation from this dying earth. And he's saying, put off the things of this world because salvation, in other words, the coming of Jesus is nearer now than it has ever been. Nearer now than when we first believed. He's using this as a, as a method of witness to these people to call them to deeper commitment to Jesus Christ. It was this message, it was, it was this message that moved me to pray my first sincere prayer to Jesus when I was 18 years old. My friend asked me, Chad, if Jesus were to come tonight, what would happen to you? And as I drove home that night, it was that question and my realization of my lostness that, that started to wake me up. And that night I got on my knees and I prayed, God, if you care, God, if you can do something in my life, then open the doors. And I told God, I'll look at them. I didn't say I'd go through. I wasn't quite ready to make that big move of faith. But, but God, if you open the doors, I'll at least look at them. And that was enough for the Holy Spirit. But it was that question. Chad, if Jesus were to come tonight, what would happen to you that, that, that struck something in me, that, that made me examine things in a different way? light but pastor someone may say we don't want people to accept jesus because they're scared i know some people experienced that growing up that there was a fear tactic to try to draw you to, to god and you're right we don't want people to think we don't want people to 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 accept jesus because they're scared but we do want people to think soberly about the finite space of life and that jesus is coming soon if as Christians we understand this, when Jesus comes, we understand two realities, that there are only two realities, one life and one death. When Jesus comes, those are the only two realities, life and then death. And that people only have a limited scope of time in this life that we are living to decide for life or for death. Should I not then be motivated to tell people, wake up because Jesus is coming and his coming is nearer now than it has ever been before. His coming is nearer now than it was yesterday. And every day that we increase in age, it becomes nearer and nearer even if is coming is still a long ways off. Because we only have this life in the here and now. Should we not be motivated to tell people, these are the options, life or death, choose you this day. I teach my kids something that I think most of you teach your kids, to not run out in the street without looking both ways. Anyone else ever taught their kids that? Every parent I know at one point or another has said to their kids, look both ways before you cross the street. 
They're playing in the front yard with the ball. If the ball goes in the street, don't run out in the street to get the ball until you've looked both ways. And I know that every parent has given the exact same reason for looking both ways. Every one of you has given the exact same reason for looking both ways. We say to the children, look both ways because a car might be coming and we don't want you to get hit by a car. Why? Because we know that the reality of our child and a car meeting up is not necessarily a good thing. No parent, no parent says to their child, before you go into the street, I want you to look both ways because the road's hot. No parent says that. No parent says to their child, I want you to look both ways because this is a good exercise for your neck before you cross the street. No parent says that. No parent says, I want you to look both ways because, you know, there's some really nice flowers on your right or on your left, and I want to make sure you don't miss the flowers. We all say, look both ways because a car might be coming, and we don't want you to get hit. That's not a fear tactic. That's because we love them, and we want them to have life. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? We're not scaring you into it. We want you to know that because Jesus longs for you to accept him. Our witness should be, Jesus is coming soon. Please, he loves you. And you only have this life, this space of time to say yes to him. And oh, by the way, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And if you die tomorrow, then Jesus is coming is even sooner. Choose you today, Jesus. It matters that we use the words that Jesus used when he spoke about his second coming. It matters in our witness that we speak of Jesus' coming as soon. And you know what? The truth is, is some people may be annoyed and put off if we keep saying, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon. But that is not our worry. Our worry is to be faithful the message of Jesus. Because some people may be like I was, and they will go home and pray a prayer. Jesus, if you're real, if you love me, show yourself. The third and the final reason that it matters that we share with people that Jesus is coming soon is because of hope. Hope. I was with some individuals just yesterday having breakfast and one of those individuals was John Sackett who uh, is the president of Shady Grove Hospital and and we were talking about just Adventist health and, and the mission of Adventist health and he was saying that we want to give people hope that's one of the missions of Adventist health and he said but, but we don't just want to give people hope that they'll get better that they get out of the hospital I mean, that is a good thing, right? We want you to have hope that when you go to the hospital, you'll get better and get out. That's the, that's the purpose of hospitals, right? We go in, we get better, we go out. That's, that's the way we all plan it to be. That's the way we all want it to be. We go in, we get better, we go out. But, but he said, as an Adventist hospital, we have something unique. We should be giving hope that not only do they get better and get out, but they have hope of heaven. Hope of heaven. I mean, look, we're glad you came to the hospital. Well, we're not glad you came to the hospital. We're glad that if you came to the hospital, you got better and you got out. But we want you to have a hope beyond that. We want you to have a hope of 
eternity. That is the Advent message. That is the Advent message. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse 33, in this world you will have what? Trouble, tribulation. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. And his overcoming the world is not that this world will get easier or that it will get better. I know that some people are predicting that. The world's going to get better. Martin Luther King says the arc of history is long and it bends towards justice. I have to say I love Martin Luther King, one of my favorite preachers, and I quote him all the time in situations. But, but he is wrong in this. The arc of history is long and it bends towards destruction. 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that as the days grow longer, as we get closer and closer to the end of time, that wickedness will increase, that the, the decay of the world will grow and increase. People need hope, not just that things may get better for a few days here in this earth, but they need hope that there is a better place, the hope of heaven. So where is the hope? John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. John chapter 15, in this world you will, you will have trouble. John chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there is much room. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Would I not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come back and take you to be with me. So that where I am, there you can be also. There you can be also. Every day, every single one of us has our own personal tragedies. We have our own personal struggles and we, we need hope. And sometimes though the world reminds us very clearly that no matter what we have, no matter what's going on in our life, there is only one place to truly find hope. And this week was one of those weeks in which we were reminded that it doesn't matter who you are or what you have or what you've accomplished, there is still a desperate need for hope. Tuesday, a lady by the name of Kate Spade, who some of you might be familiar with, some of you might have her purses. Kate Spade was a famous designer, and she made purses. She used to live in this small little apartment, and she would decorate her own purses, and her husband said, hey, you're pretty good at that. Why don't you sell some of those. And she said, no, I can't do that. And he said, yeah, you're good at that. You should sell some of those. And so she started selling these purses that she would decorate. And then she hired a few people and they made some more and they decorated some more and, and on and on they went. And Kate Spade built up a billion dollar business. She was worth well over a billion dollars designing purses. On Tuesday, she took her life. And her husband said, I mean, we all have our problems. I knew she had some ups and downs. She had some demons, just like all of us. But he said, this completely caught me off guard. Completely caught me off guard. 55 years old, the daughter, a billionaire, a new company, actually, that she recently started that's beginning to thrive. She takes her life. Another one, just yesterday, Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain used to be a dishwasher. He grew from being a dishwasher to a chef, to having his own TV show, to a world traveler, famous, wealthy beyond pretty much all of our imagination. I was reading just this morning, and don't worry, I didn't write my sermon just this morning. I'm just giving you extra details that I read just this morning. I was reading just this morning that his mom said, I don't understand why he would do this. 
He has everything he always wanted. Committed suicide yesterday. There's still a need for great hope in this world. And we understand that the thing that leads to suicide is, is there's, there's, there's mental health issues there and stuff. But, but, but ultimately, there is a suffering of hope that exists in this world. People are struggling. People are suffering. Hope matters. And emphasizing that Jesus is coming soon matters. It matters. Hope. People need hope. And as I hear those stories, I read things and, and see articles where, where it tells us that suicides are on a sharp increase. And, and, and I read things like previous demographics that, that had low rates of suicide, and they said like middle-aged white women have increased 60% in the last five years. We see evidence of a, of, of a, of a decaying world and suffering world and people in need of hope. And the message that Jesus is coming soon is a message of hope. To the family members in this room here, to the family members in this room that have recently lost a mother, a sister, a friend, a husband, a wife, a child, to those people, the message that Jesus is coming soon matters. To the families that have struggled with, with through the handicap of a child or, or the disability of a spouse, they were, they were married and things were, were going along well, and then all of a sudden there was a, a, a disability that occurred and their whole world was changed upside down, turned upside down. The message that Jesus is coming soon does matter. To the brokenhearted who have been betrayed or abandoned by, by the one they love, the message that Jesus is coming soon does matter. To those that battle addiction and sin every single day and they're just wishing for a day in which they could just say, this is behind me and I no longer have to deal with this. To those who battle chronic pain and, and their prayer through their tears every single morning is, God, just give me a strength for just one more day. To those in abusive relationships who don't see a way out. To those who are trafficked as modern slaves and to the refugees that are dying in sick camps. There's a lot we can do for these people, but at the end of the day, the ultimate hope is only the soon coming of Jesus Christ. To the young wife that can't have a child. To the young parents and old parents that have lost a child. The good news, the gospel that Jesus is coming soon does matter. It does matter. Jesus said, I am coming soon. Our witness call should be, Jesus is coming soon. Our hopeless world needs to know that Jesus is not just coming, he is coming soon soon. And when he comes, my brothers and sisters, what a day that will be. What a day that will be when we will see Jesus, when we will look upon his face, the one who saved us by his grace, when he takes us by the hand and he leads us through that promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. And the one who testifies to these things says, definitely, I 
am coming soon. Amen and amen.